Hi, this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. No, sorry, this is Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Crusher from Star Trek TNG. And you, my friends, my good dear friends, are rocking out and listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. February 21st, 2023. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm King Cake. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Yes, sir, you are correct. It is that time of year again. It is Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras to everyone who celebrates. Well, you know, I guess I can still drink this hurricane and these beans don't need to come off yet, baby. Apparently, uh, Mardi Gras in New Orleans is on this year. The weekend was spent uh, debauchery uh, uh, abounded, apparently. Uh, did it ever stop, Steve? Yes, it did. For about two, three years, the pandemic put a real kibosh on Mardi Gras in New Orleans. But I, uh, the reports are it was all happening this weekend. In some sectors, Steve. In some sectors. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Hey, Chip, did you make it to uh, the movie theater and see the big hit of February 2023 this week? I'm just waiting for Alamo uh, Draft House to give us some kind of, um, you know, we should be like the official, they should be our official place to watch films. I don't know what the official podcast of the Alamo Draft House is, but I suspect it's probably Cord Killers. Uh, Brian Brushwood, a big proponent of the Alamo Draft House in, in Austin, Texas. You went to your Alamo Draft House in North Carolina and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania this week. Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania. Somehow that sounds like a ride at Disney World, Steve. I don't know why. I believe it was a, a Rolling Stones album. <laughs> tell us about All this right. movie so let's start off with it I'll, I'll just say that it was okay um it wasn't a great film but you know what you don't go to them because they're a great film they're part of the grand story that is the marvel cinematic universe this is the latest entry into that grand story and we have ant-man we have the wasp we have their parents you know ant-man and the wasp and then we have their teenager, which could be Ant-Man or the Wasp, depending upon, you know, whichever one she chooses, Steve. Mm -hmm. It's her call. So this is the beginning of Phase 5 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Phase 4 seemed to end with kind of a dud. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really a, a big villain to take out, um, but it did lead to Kang, and we have Kang in this. And Kang is going to talk about the, um, the multiverse which is, you know, nothing that would be confusing to anyone who just walked in on it. Um, and then they're going to get really, really small. They're going to go into the quantum realm. And that's where our story is going to take place. I, I just I just keep thinking about Steve Martin. Let's get small. Let's get really small. <laughs> anyway, that, that is a skit for all of you young people who want to go back to the 1970s and see if you can find that skit. Our movie here has some challenges, and I'm not 
criticizing the story. The story is okay. The, I'm criticizing the use of green screen, which is the only thing that's going on in these films. Is just uh, just they're all green screen. Mm-hmm. And if you remember Ian McKellen when he was um, filming The Hobbit, and he was in a place and they're filming him in a green screen, and he's crying because this isn't acting. Mm-hmm. And that's what I noticed in this film. This film has a ton of green screen. It seems to have all the challenges of that. Very. Let's go back to the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. Massive rooms, like you're in a football stadium, size rooms and places. Well, hey, we're going to have a conversation. Everybody sit down in a circle. Don't move around too much because we're going to have some important information to, to give you. The other part about it is the beings that they're fighting sometimes are massive. They have this ton of weight. They're falling all around us. The whole room should shake. The ground should shake. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. We just don't get that feeling. We just get the feeling of these cartoons are falling. They don't have any weight to them. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of just working our way through. So this is just, it's nitpicky. But this is what I'm noticing that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that we have these films available. But this is going to define this era, is that we've got this going on. And the artistry kind of defeats the storytelling a little bit, right? Well, and there's the other part about it, Steve. You you, you hit it there. Um, you've seen Star Wars. You've seen Avatar. You've seen Stranger Things. You know what all these characters look like. When in the 1977, when you walk into the cantina scene and you get to see all these crazy characters well that's exactly what you're doing here you're mm-hmm. walking into a restaurant you get to see all these crazy characters for someone who's consumed a lot of this information it doesn't impress mm-hmm. as much as if you were a young person and you had not been introduced to all those things so i you cannot help but marvel at the artistry of this but at the same time it's been done before. And there's the, the other issue is that we're really not going into new territory with these stories. We seem to be treading similar parts to it. And I just don't think the Kang buildup, which Kang is our bad guy. He's can time travel. I just don't think that it's as grand as what Thanos was. Thanos was scary. Something was going to happen. Kang is just kind of, well, they bring him in here and there to build it up, but it was never really the threat threat. And this is the first movie where we're addressing that big issue. Kang is here. He needs to escape the quantum realm, but he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He was introduced in the Loki series on Disney Plus, which was a very well-written, very character-driven story with a lot of artistry in the green screen. But he he got his introduction there instead of in the cinematic universe. Which is interesting. And my, my point on that would be is, you know, if you've got 12 hours to uh, invest to be able to, to watch this film, that seems to be not good. Hmm. That seems to be um, defeating the purpose of that each movie should stand on its own. Jim Shooter used to say, every comic 
could be a, a person's first comic, mm-hmm. you've got to introduce all the characters. Well, every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie could be a person's first movie. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure that everything there that you need is there. And and that is a challenge coming from the comic book world where the storylines of the comic books were, were so spread out in our, way back in our day when we were reading comic books, there were so many different storylines and yes, bringing them together, you had to have some backstory and here trying to tell those stories in a two hour movie might be a real challenge. Well, and there's the other gift that the Marvel comics used to have is that you could read the Fantastic Four and maybe they would drop in something they ran through Spider-Man or the Avengers were near someplace. If you wanted to go over and explore them, you just jump over mm-hmm. and then you can kind of go to it and you can read all about it. It was this idea that you could drop anywhere into the story and find your interest and kind of go to a street level character or a cosmic character or whatever that uh, part of the story that you have interest in these movies, as we continue to move on, that may be something that's going to have to be much more considered Mm. because we're, I mean, I don't remember how many movies there are 25 movies at this point. There's over 30 now. There's over over 30 movies. Yeah. Well, they keep moving on. Mm-hmm. We we had our beginning. We have what our setup for our next one was. We have two teasers. If you are going there, hopefully we didn't. I don't think we spoiled anything in this movie. Mm-hmm. But there are two teasers at the end of the film. One at the beginning of the credits. One at the end of the credits. And there you go. There, you've got yourself a story. I said fifty five out of a hundred on this. I think it was fine. I think if you have young people who have interest in this type of film, they're going to like it a lot more. And let's end with the big discussion, Steve. Have you heard about the butt strategy to, to uh, defeat Kang? Your favorite thing in in the concept of Ant-Man, the fact that he can grow from very small to very large in a very short amount of time and how that could be used against Kang. Go ahead, Chip. <laughs> well, let's just say that our listeners could use their imagination <laughs> on, on how Ant-Man could use the butt strategy to defeat Kang. There you go. <laughs> there's so many things that i'm not going to say right now sir <laughs> steve i wasn't the only one who got to watch something this week tell us a little bit about picard yeah we are definitely in an era of nostalgia and in an era of science fiction and and the the amazing creative artistic things that we can create in sci-fi i am watching the most nostalgic thing available that is star trek picard available this week on paramount plus episode one the title is the next generation this is nothing but just absolutely feeding into my nostalgia as a person who loved star trek the next generation still loves it i still watch star trek the next generation even 30 years later this picard is giving to the fans what they want seeing dr beverly crusher in a in a terrible awful situation where she has no choice but to send a message to admiral picard because he's the only one who can help help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope 
So this is the beginning of season three. Mm -hmm. And how long is this season going to go? This is going through the end of April. New episodes every Wednesday on Paramount Plus. They want your three months worth of pay for this. So that comes out to it's $9.99 a month without commercials. So that comes up to $30 for this series, which is perfectly reasonable in my opinion. I think $25 to $30 for a season of programming is what I'm in for. And I am in for the adventure of Picard. Well, you're much more generous than I am, Steve. That seems very expensive to be able to go see a a series. Well, to boldly um, go. To boldly go. Well, you know, regardless. Um, Paramount Plus, um, they have, I guess, season three. You have the previous seasons you can explore, too. It's the Star Trek channel, Chip. It is, I pay for Paramount Plus strictly for Star Trek. I also watch Beavis and Butthead on it, but mostly it's the Star Trek channel. I look forward to uh, the adventure that is going to happen in this. These these old people having this old person's adventure. This is definitely not built for the young people. You mentioned young people going to see Ant-Man and Wasp. My students certainly know the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is a big part of their pop culture. Star Trek is a huge part of my pop culture and my mother, who loves Star Trek. But it's not built for young people adventure. They, they've tried. There was a Star Trek cartoon that they tried to introduce some characters for the younger generation. And I, I don't think it's succeeded. Well, and, and there's the whole point. If you sat in front of your class of, I don't know, middle schoolers and talked about the nuances of Star Trek, they're going to go, who? Mm-hmm. And you're going to know Star Trek. Yeah, Doctor Who is a different, that's a different thing. Yeah, and, and they wouldn't understand that either, Steve. No, I, but I if know. you were going to explain something to them, you could use the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Steve. And that's exactly what happened in my class when we were talking about AI last week and artificial intelligence. And I said, you know, artificial intelligence, like Terminator. And the, the kid in the front row said, eh, more like Ultron from the MCU, the idea of a computer finding sentience and taking over. That's the pop culture reference that they have. That's vision, Steve. That's vision. Brings us to our book at our book of the week. Hey, Chip, it is time for me to smile and talk about something that is not a book during our book it segment. <laughs> I listened to an audible production called The Lost Recordings, Volume 1, colon, Hollywood. This was published in 2022, back in September. This is the silliest thing I've listened to in a long time. The idea here is we... Steve, you you just said the word colon. Back to Ant-Man. Back to Ant-Man and the Wasp real quick. So so this was, uh, this is Bruce Campbell... And Ted Rainey, Steve. Making up stories about old Hollywood and thinking about the behind the scenes view of some of the great moments in old Hollywood and absolutely satirizing the idea of who those people were in those situations. They adopt the sound of that time, Steve. I did. 
They certainly did. This is Bruce Campbell and Ted Ramey if they had a podcast, I think. I think this is what it would sound like, the two of them getting together and being silly, making up these voices, making up these situations, writing these characters that we, as old people, we know who Ronald Reagan was. We know who Jack Nicholson is. And for these two guys, who have been friends all their lives, to get together and be silly in front of microphones uh, sounds like a podcast. Sounds like a great place to listen there, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> Steve. It's fun. It is fun to hear Bruce Campbell giving his Ronald Reagan impression, explaining what it might have been like on the set of Bedtime for Bonzo, Ronald Reagan's uh, man and a monkey movie that he was in before he was the president of the United States. <laughs> And you get to experience old Hollywood, Steve, just like the old days. Yeah, see? Yeah. You killed my brother. <laughs> the Jack Nicholson impression that, that he does of Jack Nicholson literally phoning it in to play the Joker in the 1988 Batman and, and Jack Nicholson having a very high opinion of what he has successfully done and then listening to the producer saying, you know, Jack, could you, could you give us a little more? This character is crazy. This character is insane. I want to hear the Jack Nicholson playing crazy that we come to know and love in so many other movies. Can you give us more? And the Jack Nicholson character here going, oh, I did it. It's done. Can we, what's for lunch? Can we get some lunch? This is, <laughs> this but, is and, and just so remember how, how, I mean, that was big time when the Batman mm -hmm. movie came out, they put mm -hmm. big money behind it. Big budgets. Prince wrote the, wrote the music, Steve. It wasn't like they were cheaping out of this. It got bizarrely crazy as, as far as Batmania at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and crazy is an interesting word when we're talking about Jack Nicholson and Tim Burton. So there's there's some very unusual minds at work in that movie. And and Jack Nicholson says, you know, maybe I'll put some time in with, with this. Maybe I won't. <laughs> yes. But I so want to play the Joker, of course. Of course, and make it his own. He he definitely played the Joker in a way that was different from every other actor who's who's taken up that part. He didn't have a mustache, Steve. <laughs> he didn't have to paint over his mustache like like Batman sixty six did. I'm not shaving my mustache. Uh, you can you can paint over my mustache. Caesar Romero is not going to shave his mustache. Caesar doesn't shave his mustache to play the Joker, Steve. You can see how this could get to a very fun level with the idea of thinking through what these characters were doing while putting together these movies. Sean Connery is, is really struggling with his ashes in one of the segments in this where he's Money got... Pay. You should got to look at me now, Money Penny. It, again, that is not Sean Connery. That is Robin Williams doing his Sean Connery impression. <laughs> That's from Mrs. Doubtfire. We named the we named the dog Indy, Steve. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> yes, I love that dog. <laughs> See, these are the pop culture conversations that you and I can have. These are the shorthand pieces of our memories that we can have these conversations. My students really struggle with this. Well, they don't have that same same. It's a shame anything. they're not they're not your age, Steve. 
I'm saying with each other, with each other, they don't have a shorthand for certain things. They are watching so many different diverse things that they don't have the same conversation. If they only knew that with great power comes great responsibility, Steve. See, that sort of thing, that sort of simplicity of design, of character development that those early Spider-Man stories gave us. Now, the later Spider-Man stories are full of quantum, full of multiple universe theory. There's so much to it. There's no conversation that is easy to have about those. Well, especially when a pig shows up in a Spider-Man costume. Spider pig, spider pig. See? Shorthand. Well, William Shatner is part of this. Oh, that works very well. Of course he is. Of course they make fun of William Shatner's idea of acting and how William Shatner offers his style to his readings. Uh, This is very similar to some of the audio that we've heard of William Shatner recording uh, audio for the Star Trek video game where he will not say the word sabotage. He pronounces it sabotage, which we find out is how Canadians say that word, by the way. That is just how William Shatner says it. He says sabotage and the, the audio of that becomes the the very interesting fun adventure that we have with bruce campbell and ted Raimi here you have elvis and richard nixon do, do they talk about where elvis is requesting to become a special agent agent yes yes that is the scene you know that scene you know that that is the truth of history is elvis presley walked into the white house and requested to become a dea agent to you know fight fight the drug problem we've got a drug problem in this country and richard nixon went yeah but we're taking care of it i don't i'm not going to do a richard nixon impression by the way and elvis was was very very sure that he could solve the drug problem in america and uh richard nixon apparently deputized him and made him a dea agent in real history so just a little note on the side in the future when we're trying to review things like this we'll need to schedule rich little to come in and help us out with all those all those voices. Oh, yeah. There's so many great impressionists, and I am not one of them. Uh, Bruce Campbell is not one of them, but his ability to give us a character, his charisma on this recording is so evident. And Ted Raimi as well. He is very much a part of this character acting in this recording. I don't say He's that He's a I... thespian, Steve. He's a thespian. Well, I, I don't suggest that everybody go out and, and find this, but this is a fun little acting. Acting, adventure. Steve. Acting. Yes. Bruce Campbell is touring this spring. He's crisscrossing the country this April, coming to the Vic Theater in Chicago. So I may may very well have a, a plan for going to see Bruce Campbell again. I just admire his charisma. I I wish that I could be as poignant and interesting and funny as Bruce Campbell is. Well, first rule, get buckets of blood, Steve. Buckets of blood certainly helps. But even in this audio presentation where there's no buckets of blood, it's a fun, fun adventure. Very short, very silly uh, two friends just sitting around talking about things that are important to them. Oh, so wait, that sounds familiar. That's The Lost Recordings, Volume 1, colon, Hollywood, published in 2022.
grow with it. Brings it to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. Uh, one thing that we've talked about a lot in the last 10 years, Chip, is the switch from traditional TV to digital video. It certainly is, is happening. And it's mm -hmm. happening very quickly. They expect that to actually be completed this year. As in, it will. we will be watching more streaming than we do over-the-air television. 52%. Mm -hmm. There certainly could be demographics. There's demographics in there for sure. There's there's certainly some older people who are still uh, watching over-the-air programming more than digital. And some purists who want to have the highest quality, Steve, because you can get the highest quality over-the-air versus the compressed video that comes through your internet, Steve. I just wanted mm -hmm. to point that out for you. Yeah, I, I remember those days. I remember those days where I was one of those people that even the compression of cable and satellite broadcast was different from the pure high-definition picture that I was getting from my antenna. Well, the antenna gives you like all those sparkles in the football helmet and all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is incredible. But regardless, let's go back to the point. So streaming services like Netflix, TikTok, YouTube, those are where young people are getting their entertainment. It is not through these uh, most streaming platforms, and it's not through over the air. It certainly, it, it certainly is a change, Steve. It is certainly not the scheduled television experience that we grew up with because they can watch whatever they want anytime. And, and going back to my conversations with my young students, that leads to each of them having a different list of things that they've seen. Speaking of that, while the Super Bowl may have been much watched television, my daughter was talking during the Rihanna halftime show. And I asked her about it. I said, do you want to see this? She go, oh, no, I'll just watch it later. Yeah, that moment, that live moment. There's not much live TV that is important like it used to be. And that moment, even then, she knew that she could have access to it on her own terms later. Exactly. And so she'll watch it when she she wants to. And as we're driving home, she watched it. And she goes, oh, Rihanna announced that she was pregnant. I was like, she did? Yes, she did, Dad. You weren't watching? Okay, there you go. <laughs> the other thing that this brings up is that that a la carte idea, the, the list of the shows that I want to watch and the list of the things that you want to watch is certainly different. And we can pay just for what we want instead of the whole buffet. The idea of cable TV, this one price for the whole package, yeah, you you have it all, but do you even want it? I've gone to, I, I have the Doctor Who channel, I've got the Star Trek channel, I know where my entertainment comes from. Well, in, in fact, this is where it gets really interesting, Steve, is that I do watch a lot of short-term or short-form uh, video and whether it's having a person you know reading balance sheets to me on how to read a stock price or um how to or how to rate a company or how to cook my meal or how to enjoy some you know pop culture something that i have interest in mm -hmm. 
it's a lot easier to kind of just float through that stuff than it is to sit down and watch, uh, you know, a 10 episode series where, you know, seven of those episodes are filler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one is the build up, one is the kind of setting up the the bad guy, and one is the conclusion. You see, all of a sudden, all that wasted time is that's, I think that's what's going on with Disney Plus mm-hmm. when they determine that they have to have a 10 episode season or an eight episode season. And you, as a viewer, has have sat through one of those and you go, Oh my goodness, this is almost all not important to the story. And you're basically opting out. There's another reason why your story needs to be succinct. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to go through it. I think that once again, they're going to be looking at these series that are eight episodes and 10 episodes and going, this is not worth my time. And it's very different from the challenge that we had when we were young, where the idea was you'd have a 30 minute episode and there would be some conflict that would happen. But at the end of the 30 minutes, everything goes back to what it needs to be so Mm -hmm. that they can be shown in any order. Right. The art of writing has certainly changed in this era of the way we get our entertainment. I still enjoy the 10 episode series. I still enjoy the in-depth character analysis of those storytelling moments more than I enjoy the two hour movie version of a story. Even if it's just filler and it Mm -hmm. means nothing to the story. Yes, I, I would rather hear about a character and their exploration of who they are and what they're doing in the situation than a quick hit, especially TikTok. I cannot get through TikTok. I, I listen to these noises coming from these phones of my students and my family, and, and I just think of the blipverts from Max Headroom. It's, it's too much for me. I'm an old person. Well, let me introduce you to a story called Lord of the Rings, Steve. There's lots of hiking. And, and lots of character development. but there, and lots there, of meals, Steve. Lots of meals. meals. There's with lots of singing. And, and I love all of those things. And it's, I don't it's, love it's like Lord a, of the Rings. It's like, a, uh, it's like a Broadway show with orcs and hobbits and um, elves, Steve. Was Sylvester McCoy in The Hobbit? Yes. Yes, he was. They'll tell you every time. (laughs) Smartphones are the other issue on our docket today. They are certainly changing the way we do everything, uh, including warfare. In this war in Ukraine, smartphones have become a big part of it. All right, so let's go back in time, Steve, where maybe World War I, World War II, and we get maybe a a blip of it on Saturday morning. We're watching the movies. We're watching the talkies, Steve. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we get our news. Um, the news move, reels. Yep, we mm-hmm. move up to, and those news reels have been prepared for you, and you're going to get the information. Boys are wa- marching to war, Steve. Mm-hmm. Move to Vietnam, and we've got news reporters who are able to track with some of the military. The embedded reporters that were able to be there to report on the situation as it was happening. Well, smartphones basically allow any person to stream to be part of that you're a civilian you're in a military situation whatever those things are 
they're live and you have that information, good or bad. You you may not have why it's happening to you, but you're having like, this is going on around my particular spot. Including the evidence for investigators to to go after war criminals in these situations. Yeah, the, it, this is the this is certainly it's changing war. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that uh, a few years ago, military uh, personnel were not allowed to wear smartwatches. They would mm-hmm. jog around the outside of the base. All of a sudden, you know that information could be picked up by people who are not supposed to pick up that information. And now you've got the perimeter of their camp or whatever that Mm -hmm. place is. This is a little bit different in the sense that your microphones and cameras and stuff like that are showing what's going around you. I I know that this week, Elon Musk has basically talked about Starlink and said, hey, he's not going to let it be used to launch missiles Mm. uh, and things of that nature. So you can see the capabilities of what is it uh spynet steve skynet mm-hmm. Are, skynet is coming and every time i see stuff I, all i can think of is boy drones would make that so much easier mm-hmm. and it's certainly if, if this continues to escalate which it just doesn't look like it's um stopping then you know you're seeing where this is going anyway smartphones as, as helpful they are for groups of people who have been marginalized in the United States to be able to record it and getting out to individuals mm-hmm. saying, hey, these bad things are happening to me. Guess what? They're being used in war situations and they're providing the same type of information. And in addition, that location data, just being able to identify those phones are in those places, therefore tying that location to movements of soldiers. Uh, we, we've got an interesting different wartime on our hands with this, for sure. Well, in, in fact, there may be one of the strategic parts of it is to try to take down those towers and how mm-hmm. they work, certainly uh, as a military uh, group that could be something that's very important and just Cutting remember how how I, I guess vulnerable we all are if you use maps because um, mm-hmm. learning an area back when we were young mm-hmm. is very different than learning an area today when with young people and um, how we get around using those Google Maps and Waze and Apple Maps and all those mm-hmm. other things mm-hmm. when you write your horror movie Take out the communications first. That's frightening. When you're writing your uh, story about witches and warlocks going to school, then you've got J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, Chip. Harry Potter, Steve. You know, for a certain generation that was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Steve, they read their entertainment and then they waited for the movie to come out. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, it was all synced together very, very nicely. Uh, much different than our youth, you know, when Star Wars was released. And maybe um, maybe George Lucas thought about it before he wrote it. Maybe. We, we assume he did. We assume <laughs> he did. But regardless, um, Harry Potter was... Not the holiday special. He didn't think of that. <laughs> life day, Steve. Life day. <laughs> Happy life day, everyone. That's right. So anyway, uh, J.K. Rowling um, wrote Harry Potter for a whole generation. It was it. It was their Star Wars. It was their Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And you could speak 
Potterverse, and they would know exactly what you're talking about. And for all those people listening that understand that, three points for Gryffindor, right there. That's right. That shorthand, that pop culture is is really the theme of today's episode. <laughs> well, um, certainly over the last few years, J.K. Rowling has been very outspoken about a number of topics, particularly the difference between women's rights and um, trans rights uh, and, and what that merely means. And he's, she certainly has been demonized for those conversations. Mm-hmm. So today, uh, February 21st, 2023, there is a podcast that is going to explore sort of um, J.K. Rowling. And, and basically, it's called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. And it's going to try to show how this person that created this incredibly diverse uh, world, this universe, came from poverty, certainly was a person who was very empowering to a generation of young people. Um, today is looked at very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the question is, is I don't know, was she, is she right to defend the women's rights as she understands them? Or, mm-hmm. you know, is there more to it? Here's Here's what this podcast is looking to explore. How did the people in these conflicts view what is happening? How does J.K. Rowling understand herself and the critics, you know, uh, of of what she's been saying? And why does she choose this subject to basically, uh, I don't know, sacrifice herself on it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's important on the grand scheme of things to recognize that you can think whatever you want to about J.K. Rowling's. She is wealthy enough that her lifestyle will not change so if people stop buying harry potter books today that's mm-hmm. okay she, you know it's it's sad for her because she helped develop it but it's it's also not sad for her because she's she's fine so she has nothing to lose by making her feelings known on these subjects that's why i think this is important hmm. because most people could not take her stand without receiving some kind of challenge to it that would could be detrimental to their career. And she certainly has been demonized for some of her thoughts. And, and the question becomes, do we have the right to share our ideas? Is she on the radical side of these thoughts? Is this a, a thing that she she needs to help her be a better person? Well, I, I don't think the question is whether she has a right to say these things, because she certainly could say it. In fact, I mean, that is part of what a liberal society does, is allow people to to state their opinions. Mm-hmm. What I think is so fascinating about this is she is fighting, uh, I'm going to say fighting, she is suggesting that women's rights are being compromised by another set of rights. Mm-hmm. And she's suggesting that this is a this is a problem, and it needs to be addressed. Now, a group that feels very strongly, particularly on trans rights, where she's really getting um, into, into uh, when I say challenged by by this, uh, and being um, suggested that she is the bigot here. Mm-hmm. She is, um, this, this group is, um, 
su- suggesting this isn't an, an issue. But J.K. Rowling certainly does feel it's an issue. Mm-hmm. And this is this this podcast seems to be addressing this. I think this is an incredibly interesting topic. It is a uh, a debate that that should be allowed to, to happen and should be uh, uh, being able to discuss certainly in a, a very adult way with mm-hmm. adult reasoning on it. And, and while each group may be very emotional on it, you can imagine a person like J.K. Rowling from her generation who just came to, you know, when, when I, I'll use my mother as an example. When my mother was young, many women ran the house. They didn't work outside the home. J.K. Rowling chose her name of, for her books because women were allowed to be writers, mm-hmm. but she wanted to hide that she was a woman. She was a person. Right. She was releasing her stories. The, the idea being that, hey, this could be more successful if it was a person or potentially thought of as a male rather than a female writing this. To a point where we continuously expand that circle of rights um, to be more conscious of being kind and, or any other number of things. Um, but now she is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But this is infringing upon you know this stuff that I grew up with. And I think this is this is this is certainly worthy of a listen and worthy of a discussion. I, th- I think there's some some very deep thoughts. Basically, it could be a luminous. Thank you. That's very good. Very, very well brought back to Harry Potter and that shorthand for for the way we think about this culture of people that are enjoying this story. Well done, sir. <laughs> I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. Hopefully everybody will enjoy their Mardi Gras. It it seems like we always have a show on Mardi Gras, Chip. Steve, it's always Mardi Mardi Gras with us. If it's not Mardi Gras, it's Carnival. There you go. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube, and you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm King Cake. (laughs) We'll see you in the future.